Welcome to Success Story, the most useful podcast in the world. I'm Scott D. Clary, and today I'm going to walk through how Slack went from an unsuccessful video game company to a $26 billion instant messaging communication powerhouse. I'm going to walk through the story of the founder. I'm going to walk through how they grew, how they pivoted, and some lessons that anybody can take from this, regardless of whether or not you're in your career or you're an entrepreneur. They are an incredible story. I hope you enjoy. Stay tuned. So one of my favorite Slack quotes is from their founder, Stuart Butterfield. He said this in 2010, way before Slack was the what we know Slack is today. He said, and I quote, we have an excellent chance of being successful because we failed before and the odds of failing twice on the same thing are astronomical. Oh, how naive Mr. Butterfield was when he said this. When you know, when you, when I tell you the story of Slack, you'll understand why this is a hilarious quote because they failed a lot. They iterated a lot. They did a lot of different things. The story of Slack is an incredible story of perseverance, of grit, of determination, all the things that make up a successful entrepreneur. And they definitely didn't have an easy ride. So if you don't know what Slack is, and I I would assume that if you work in a large company or you even work in a small company, you've probably used it. It's the instant messaging software that many companies use. They have a huge hold on the market. So the fact that they have this huge hold on the market now, and if you've worked in some sort of modern company or tech company and you use it to communicate with your peers and your coworkers, some things obviously worked since Stuart said that in 2010. So what exactly was their story? Well, today it operates as a cloud-based instant messaging system. It offers basically a live, real-time, private communication network. It allows you to share files, content. It allows you to communicate and direct message in real time. Compared to emails, it's efficient, it's real-time, it's synchronous, um, and it's much more organized. But Slack was actually created by accident. Slack was a byproduct of what the company was supposed to be, which was a video game. Let's rewind the clock and look at the history of Slack. So like I said before, Stuart Butterfield was the founder. He was working in tech when he made the decision, a super courageous decision to quit his job and go raise $50,000 to go build a video game. The game was gonna be called GradFinder.com. And he actually did raise that money. He found somebody who's willing to give him 50,000 bucks for a video game. He built it for six months and sold it for a little bit under $100,000. It was a private sale, so the details haven't been released. But he obviously didn't make that much money on it, considering he probably had to pay back the original $50,000 that he borrowed to build it. But he did make enough to take a little bit of time off and think about his next project. So now he has one successful, quasi-successful exit under his belt. He wants to build something else. But he obviously has less than $50,000, so he has to figure out something quick, or he has to go get another job. So he obviously had a couple friends that worked on the first game, some peers from, you know, past life in working with companies. Uh, they decided they wanted to build their own video game company, not just build a game, but build an entire company. But they wanted to start with, of course, one game to sort of kick off this company that was eventually going to create multiple video games. And they also wanted to make sure that the games that they created were unique, that they really weren't anywhere else on the market, um, and that they would really be doing something different. So they actually had the great concept of creating a game where people could collaborate with their friends, which fast forward to 2021, this is pretty much every single game that's out there now. But back then, it wasn't as popular or wasn't really as widespread as it is right now. So they developed a prototype of a game 
that was based on interactive cooperative experience between players. There was a small tribe, a community of diehard fans that really, really loved this game, but it was very small. Most people really didn't get into the game. It didn't achieve any sort of massive success. But regardless, because they had a diehard tribe of people that were willing to play the game and really, really loved it, they thought that if they could double down and pursue this project full-time, they would find more similar gamers that would really just love the niche novel concept of this game. Now, although Stewart raised money, he raised $50,000 for his first venture, his second venture, he thought he was originally going to raise money, but he had a lot of trouble finding investors. Venture capital was not as interested in investing in video games or, or even in tech as they are now. Remember, this was several years ago. Now there's an overabundance of capital. Now it's almost uh, too easy to find money and you have to make sure you're finding it from the right people. So when they pitched re repeatedly, they went out to investors, they weren't getting any bites, nobody was really interested, they decided to fund it themselves, which is very risky. So they poured about a year of their lives into it and kept trying to build out this game. Ironically, the game was called uh, Game Never Ending, and after a year, it still wasn't finished. They were also running out of money at this point. So they had to find a way to boost their finances. And remember, they went to venture capitalists before. They couldn't raise money. It's a year later. The game's not done. They still haven't made any money off the game. So how are they going to go raise money? And they're all full-time developing this game. Some of them are using their own savings. Stuart's using a little bit of money that he had saved up from that first initial exit. There's not a lot of money left. So because the game was focused on social interaction, they thought they would create a website that would support that concept and support community and support interaction amongst players. So they created a website that allowed people to upload photos, have chats with other players, basically a community or a chat room, whatever you want to interpret it as, that allowed people to connect with other gamers. So gamers connect with other gamers outside of the game environment. Now, by 2004, the team had started to build this website that was focused on community and photo sharing, and they're still building the game at this point. So they're still developing the game. Neither of them are really making any money, but they realized that if they're gonna get anything done successfully, the community photo sharing tool was taking off and the game still wasn't done yet. So they, they decided to actually double down and focus on the photo sharing tool. They believed that they could finish it much quicker than a full-fledged video game with a very limited development team. So what did this photo sharing service turn into? Well, they gave it the name Flickr and they launched it and it grew like crazy. Only a year later, Yahoo noticed Flickr and purchased it from them for roughly $20 million. And let's not forget that Flickr started off as a side hustle that turned into a $20 million exit. So now fast forward about three and a half years, Stuart has some money, team has some money, he wants to build something else. He still remembers that that video game, not the first one, the first one was a relatively minor success, that $50,000 one, but the second video game, the one that they shelved to build Flickr, was never really completed. So he never really got the bug of producing an incredible video game out of his system. So in 2009, he announced his intention to build an MMORPG, a mega multiplayer online role-playing game. The hardware and software that was used to build incredible games in 2009 was much cheaper and more efficient than what he was using originally in 2002. And due to his previous success with the Flickr exit to Yahoo, he was easily able to raise venture capital for his new video game. So he raised $17.5 million 
to build a video game that had no customers, no proof of concept, no path to revenue. But because they had the resources and technology had advanced, uh, they released the game Glitch two years later. Glitch was a flop. It had a diehard community, wasn't accepted by the masses. So Stuart now has $17.5 million that he has to make up for. He has another decision to make. Should he double down on the video game? Or should he try and build something with some of the tech that he's been building out throughout the process of developing this video game that could actually be an incredible application? And he chose to do the latter. So what did he do? Well, video games are complex. A $17.5 million video game is very complex. A lot of different people working on projects, a lot of moving parts. So to help them work better as a team, the developing team on Glitch built out a software that allowed them to communicate. It was basically an internal chat system that they had developed themselves. And they felt that this added a level of efficiency in their communication uh, that way surpassed emailing. And they also felt that there was nothing on the market that really helped an internal team communicate well. And realizing that they had actually built a product that solved the need that many businesses have, which is efficient, lightweight, user-friendly, instant communication, they decided to double down on that product. And they called it Slack. Now, the Slack team only consisted of around eight people at the start. Remember, they have a large company building out this video game, but the Slack team only consisted of around eight people. Those eight people were able to turn it into a consumer product. They onboarded four companies for free that were allowed to use every Slack feature that the MVP, the minimum viable product, or the first iteration of Slack had completely free. And that basically proved out that this would be useful for potential companies. And a little side note, those four initial customers still use Slack to this day. Slack finally took their product to market and actually launched the Slack app in 2014 after working with those four customers to make sure that it sort of ironed out all the bugs, the QA process. After its launch, Slack made $1 million in its first two weeks of launch. And six months later, they raised a $120 million venture capital round. That put the company's evaluation at roughly $1 billion. They were a unicorn in six months. In June of 2019, Slack IPO'd. In its initial public offering, the company was valued at $19 billion. Imagine this, Slack, a multi-billion dollar company used globally to help facilitate businesses, help let, team, let teams communicate. All of this started as a two times failed video game company. What are the two main things that you have to learn from this story? One, most businesses fail and it's pretty normal. And two, sometimes the best ideas are literally right under your nose. You have to be ready and willing to accept new ideas and just run with it. So this was an incredible story. I took 10 more lessons that I thought would be great lessons for entrepreneurs from this story. So number one, you will fail a lot, and it's really normal if you're building your own thing. Number two, apparently it's quite hard to build a video game. I don't know any other entrepreneurial video game stories, but holy shit, that seemed like... <laughs> Considering their success and the fact that they failed twice, maybe that says something about how to build a how building a video game is really, really difficult. Number three, uh, don't always feel that you have to stay in your lane. So they were building video game companies, and Stuart had this a little bit of an obsession with video game companies, but he was okay pivoting. Like he went from video game to photo sharing, video game to communication, 
you don't always have to stay in your lane. Try new things, especially as an entrepreneur. Even if you are doing one thing, you're trying to build one thing, maybe you discover something else that looks like it could work that's not exactly 100% in line with what you're doing. Explore it a little bit. Don't go all in, but just explore it. Um, the version of your product when you start a company will look drastically different in 10 years than when you start it. This is the same with every entrepreneur I've ever spoken with. And also, let's just extrapolate that to like yourself as a person. The version of yourself in 10 years is going to look drastically different than who you are right now. And that's a good thing. So whatever you start with, know that you will have to change it, alter it, iterate on it multiple times. And that's okay. And that's expected. And in 10 years from now, it's going to look quite a bit different. Another lesson, side hustles can turn into main businesses quickly. Never stop trying new things, iterating, testing, moving forward, so important. If you're dedicated to anything for a long enough period of time, there's going to be something good that comes of it, even if it's just experience. But more often than not, it's actually true success. Raising money, selling, and marketing something has less to do initially with the tech and more to do with your network, success, resume, and accolades. Learn how to sell your story better, but then back it up with a kick-ass product. So being able to sell something, being able to network and have a group that supports you is incredibly important. Notice that the only difference between when Stuart tried to raise money the first time and the second time was he had a success under his belt. He, the, the product was not built either time. It's not like they had revenue on the books either time. So just a, a point there. Uh, another lesson, sometimes you need to remove any sort of inhibitions to prove to people that your product is as good as you say it is. So this is a common theme that I see with entrepreneurs that are trying to build something and are successful in eventually selling it. Um, sometimes you have to give it away for free to let people try it out, test it, trust you. Because what are the inhibitions in buying something? Is that they don't trust you. They don't trust the product. They don't trust you as an entrepreneur, as an, as an individual. And you have to sometimes remove that friction and remove that impediment to them potentially purchasing your product. So Slack did that by giving it away for free to four companies to prove it, to prove that it works. And then last lesson, when things start to take off, they really take off. And this is something that I actually hear from a lot of entrepreneurs. Sometimes they're not ready for how fast things take off. And it seems like a good problem to have, and it is. But I mean, when things take off, you saw in two weeks, they made a million dollars. You know how many entrepreneurs would completely screw that up and not know what to do with that? And then in six months, they raised $120 million. That is incredibly fast. Most people do not want that much stress. You think, you know, you're, you're thinking big numbers. Oh, that's great. There's a lot of stress that comes with that much money that quick. So uh, if you're going to commit to something, when things take off, they will really take off and be ready for that success and be be ready for it physically, mentally, um, and also in with your systems and processes that you've hopefully at this point built into your business that will allow you to scale. Anyways, that is a story of Slack. That's some lessons from Slack. I hope you enjoyed. Have a great week. We'll talk soon. I want to take a second and thank Indeed. They're a huge sponsor of the Success Story podcast. And as business leaders, we're all driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. It's to match with Indeed. Now, if you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million 
global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. You need to ditch the busy work. You need to use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster, all the tools you need are in one spot. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Clary. Just go to Indeed.com slash Clary right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Clary. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. This episode is brought to you by NetSuite. Now, as a business owner, I always remember when my company hits a growth spurt. It's great, but then you realize that things start to break. Things are taking three times as long. Manual processes start to bury your team in paperwork and admin, and you really don't have one reliable source of data or truth to understand how healthy your business is. If this sounds familiar, you have to know three numbers. 37,000, that's how many businesses have upgraded to NetSuite, the number one cloud financial system. 25, NetSuite turns 25 this year. That's 25 years streamlining accounting, inventory, HR, and more for growing companies. And one, because your business truly is one of a kind, NetSuite gives you customized solutions so you can manage everything about your business in one place, from inventory to invoicing, one powerfully efficient system. I love having all of my data in one spot NetSuite allows me to do that. It gives me the big picture so I can make smarter decisions. And they turn complex financials into understandable, actionable insights. Right now, you can get NetSuite's popular KPI checklist for free to help improve your business. It's designed to help you boost performance across key areas of your business. Go to netsuite.com slash Clary to download the checklist and see how one complete system can transform your growth. That's netsuite.com slash Scott Clary. Get more control in your business with NetSuite. Just a quick question. Have you ever had one of those oh no moments when you realize that you accidentally deleted a huge file or worse, your whole computer dies? I know I have. It's happened to me a lot, but don't sweat it. The sponsor of today's episode, Backblaze, they have your back. It is unlimited backups for all your Macs, your PCs, or even your whole company. And it's really affordable under a hundred bucks a year. If you're running a business, they take the stress out of protecting everyone's data. If you need more bells and whistles for compliance, so on and so forth, they have enterprise options too. Honestly, losing data sucks, but Backblaze makes getting it back easy. They have restored billions of files. They offer tons of restore options, including rapid recovery in an event of data loss or ransomware. And you can access your backed up data from everywhere and anywhere in the world using their web app, iOS, or Android apps. It's been recommended by the New York Times, Inc., Macworld, PC World, LifeWire, Wired, Tom's Guide, 9to5Mac, and tons more. And best, you can try it fully featured with no risk at backblaze.com slash story. They set up that link for all Success Story podcast listeners. That is a no-risk free trial 
at backblaze.com slash story. Seriously, back up your stuff. I don't know about you, but the idea of being harassed, scammed, or even worse, all because somebody found my personal information online, that's terrifying. Our political opinions, our addresses, even stuff about our families, it's out there for anyone to grab. And did you know that data brokers are allowed to sell information on over 98% of Americans? It's scary stuff. That's why I've partnered with Delete Me. I personally use Delete Me. They're a big friend of the podcast because I put myself out there online. So safety is a huge concern. It's really scary how easy it is to find someone's details and information. But Delete Me creates a layer of protection that we all need. You tell Delete Me what you want gone and they make it disappear from those sketchy data broker sites. And Delete Me doesn't stop. They constantly monitor the web to keep your information off those lists. It's like having a privacy watchdog that never sleeps. You need to take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me. They're giving a special discount for all Success Story podcast listeners. Get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeletemecom slash success and use promo code success at checkout. The only way to get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash success and enter code success at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash success. I want to thank Belay for sponsoring today's episode. They provide solutions that all of us need. They help us get back more of our time because time is the most precious resource. A lot of you listening our business leaders, entrepreneurs, you know that if you spend your time incorrectly, it can make or break your business, your personal, professional relationships. It can completely sidetrack you and stop you from reaching your goals. So I'm going to ask you, are you protecting your time? How much of your day is eaten up by tasks that could have been done by someone else? Wouldn't you rather spend your time on things that truly matter? The answer should be yes, because you have to, to move the needle on whatever it is you're trying to build. That's where Belay comes in. They are the nation's largest pool of exceptional U.S.-based talent. Belay offers flexible staffing solutions to free you up. Need a virtual assistant to conquer those pesky administrative tasks or maybe an accounting professional to really keep your finances in order? Belay can help with all that and way more. Their personalized matching process saves you the headache of hiring by finding the perfect match for your needs in as little as a week. Focus on what matters the most with the help from Belay. Text SUCCESS. That's S-U-C-C-E-S-S to 55123 to learn more and get started.